Hello everyone and welcome to the Mountain Creek Prepper. One man's journey to self-reliance and independence through practical prepping and homesteading. This is episode two and today I'll be talking about what I've been up to this week on my homestead. I've got a couple of things to tell you about there. Our main topic that I'm going to talk about is you've decided you need to start prepping so where do you start? It's something I see all the time on prepper forums. People realize the need to start prepping and then they become confused, overwhelmed, they have no idea where to start, so we'll get into that. And uh, finally, the uh, third thing we'll cover today is I have a product review, and we'll get to that at the end of the show. I won't tell you any more about that right now, but it's going to be a good one. Okay, so what have I been up to this week? What have I been doing on my homestead? Well. I've cut down some more of that bamboo on my property. I've been cutting down a lot of it here lately. I've got a lot of it growing on my property and as everyone knows, bamboo spreads really easily and I don't want it taking over my entire property so I'm trying to cut down what I can and dig up the roots so I can make room for other things. What I would like to do is I have some actual native river cane which is becoming harder to find it's becoming an endangered species in some ways because everything you see in the south here is bamboo it's an Im imported species of bamboo it's not the native plant the native plant itself is it's it's getting more and more difficult to find so I have some river cane that I was considering planting in a uh, contained area where it wouldn't spread beyond where I wanted it to go that's one thing I want to do, and I've, I've got some other things as well. So I've been cutting a lot of that out. Uh, the bamboo that I'm cutting out, I'm using for bean poles. I'm putting some back to make flutes and blowguns out of tomato steaks. I want to make some bee houses for carpenter bees. Uh, there's a lot of uses for this stuff, and just because I'm ripping it out doesn't mean it's going to get wasted. I'm going to use this very versatile resource that I have on my property. Right, uh, next, how did my first time welding go on my mower deck? Well, on my last episode I talked about how I was going to start experimenting with welding. I had to re-weld a, a crack and a break on my mower deck. The bracket had broken off and it turns out the deck itself had a crack probably about a foot and a half long. I mean it was a long crack. So I got out my welder and my, it was my first attempt at welding. It went okay. It, it actually went okay. Um, the welds look like crap, I'll be honest with you. But there again, it is my first time welding. I've had no instruction except some vi uh, videos on YouTube that I've watched. But overall, it didn't take me long to actually get some good strong welds. Like I said, they look like crap, but they are holding and they're holding up well. So I'm pretty pleased with that. And beyond that, I've just been working and it, I've been working out in my garden as much as I can. It's been raining a lot off and on here. In fact it was, was storming last night and we're supposed to get some more storms today so I don't know how much I'll be able to do out in the yard and out in the garden today. But we'll see. But okay. Now on to our main topic. It's, it's something I see constantly on Facebook forums, on forums on the internet outside of Facebook chat rooms, groups, uh, everybody, er, everybody's seen it. 
someone comes into the group and they say, I need to start prepping for whatever reason. They've realized they need to start prepping. And they'll say, I, I need to start prepping, but where do I start? I don't know where to start. Well, usually the first things people suggest, get you a gun, beans, bandits, bull aids, uh, get you a six month supply of food. It's, it's, it's ridiculous because they're overlooking so many things. And I just wanted to talk about how I feel you should start if you get to this point. If you realize, hey, I need to start prepping. There's so much going on. There's so much to do and I don't know where to start. I need help. My advice, the first thing you should do is stop and take a breath. Because when you get overwhelmed, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to start spending money left and right on things that you may need eventually, but you may not need right now. It may not be the most efficient use of your time or your money. And you'll end up spending a lot of money, buying a lot of stuff, and then not having a, a really established plan or not meeting any specific goals. So the first thing you should do is stop and take a breath. You have time, just relax and think things through. You're a little late to the game as far as some people, you're ahead of some people. Don't compare yourself to other people that you've seen prepping. Don't compare yourself to what you think you should be doing right now. You uh, Don't get so caught up in what you see online that you start thinking, I've got to do that right now, I've got to buy that. Somebody bought all of this stuff, that means I need to go do it. No, that's not what you need to do. Relax. Stop. Take a deep breath. Now, the first thing after that is you need to do an analysis of your lifestyle, of your situation, and see what the biggest risks are to you. My first suggestion, go over your financials. The first thing you need to do in that regard, figure out how much debt you have cars, student loans, your mortgage, uh, credit card debt. Figure it all up because debt is cancer and it will eat you alive. You will spend all of your time struggling to pay off this debt and you can't get anything else done. So until you get this debt taken care of, you're not going to be able to do a lot. And if something should happen, you're not going to be prepared for it because you've been putting all your time, money, and energy into just servicing the debt. So you really need to start paying down your debt. My favorite method is to pick one debt. Now some say go for the largest amount first. Some say go for the smallest amount first. Some say go for the one with the highest interest rate first. You can do all three, uh, any of the three rather. Uh, that's really a personal choice. I would suggest starting with the smallest debt first. You pay it off. You pay as much extra on it as you can and you pay it off. Then whatever you were paying on that smallest debt, you apply it to the next smallest debt. And you repeat, you pay as much as you can, as fast as you can, and you pay it off. Then you go to the next smallest debt. You'll, it's referred to as the snowball method. Uh, it was originally uh, Dave Ramsey's method of paying down debt and it works really well. But however you have to do it, you start paying off your debt. Um, because, like I said, until you get that debt paid down, you're not going to be able to start investing in the food that you need for 
emergencies. You're not going to start. You're not going to be able to afford to start buying the gear you need. Uh, you're not going to have the financial resiliency to deal with certain things that might come up. Unexpected car repairs. You know, something as simple as that can really create havoc in somebody's life if they're overwhelmed with debt and they're not prepared for it. And I, I'm speaking from personal experience here. I've struggled with my debt for several years now, but I am making progress on getting it paid down, and I do have a plan. And in about two years or so, a little over two years, I will have my debt paid off. Everything will be paid off except my mortgage, and I'm steadily working towards that. And I'm looking forward to that day because it will give you more confidence, more security, that your family is safer. You don't have this shadow hanging over you. You don't have this huge weight on your shoulders. So debt, above all, start paying that down. Get rid of it. The next thing you should do is do a threat analysis. I've noticed when people online are talking about this, they immediately say, I'm prepping for the zombie apocalypse. I'm prepping for an EMP. I'm prepping for an asteroid to hit the planet. That's all well and good, but you need to focus on what is most likely to happen to you. All of these things, I suppose, are possible. Even the zombie apocalypse, I suppose there might be a way that could happen through some sort of pandemic. But the odds of things like that happening are so low that it's almost ridiculous to even be considering it. It's yeah, it's glamorous in the prepper life to be talking about these things that you're doing, these things that you're preparing for. But you know, it it's just not very likely to happen. It could, but the odds against it are so high. Uh, the things that are most likely to hit anybody, there are people every day that suffer job loss for months at a time, years at a time. I mean, look back at 2008, 2009 during the housing crisis. People lost their jobs and they couldn't find any other job. There were people that were making six figures that lost their job and they couldn't even find a job flipping burgers. These are things you got to consider. So, job loss you're more likely to experience job loss in your lifetime than an EMP. And, and there's other things. Loss of a home due to a storm, storm damage, floods, fire, tornado, hurricane. Those are more likely to affect you, depending on where you live, than one of the big end-of-the-world disasters. Most people don't consider it, but loss of a loved one. That can be a total life-changing event and if you're not prepared for it the emotional strain that that can put on you can be so much worse when you have to add a financial strain to it um power outages there again from storms you're more likely to have your power out for a tree down across a power line a quarter mile half mile a mile down the road than uh, a country invading the United States these are the things you should be preparing for first because if you can't survive without the systems of support during one of these events, you have no chance of making it through one of the larger events. So focus on this stuff. Focus on the things that are common and more likely to impact you. And you, your threat analysis, you need to decide, okay, do I live in an area where there are tornadoes? Okay, if there's not tornadoes here, are there hurricanes? Are there earthquakes? 
you need to figure out what is most likely to happen to you where you live as far as natural disasters. Things like job loss, that can affect you no matter where you live. And you, ne you need to rate these pretty high on your threat analysis. If you're in a job that is cyclical, where every so often when the market takes a downturn, uh, they start laying off at your job, that is a real big concern because during the next economic recession, you could be facing a layoff. So think about that and rate them in order of what you think is the highest. Not what is glamorous, most exciting, or fun to think about, but what is most likely to happen to you. Next, create an emergency documentation package. Uh, this is a package that can include anything from photos and records of everything in your house, for insurance purposes, should your home be destroyed due to fire, flood, hurricane, tornado, whatever, you'll have all this proof of the stuff that you had for your insurance company. Have the name of your insurance company and your agent, the name and number, in that package. Copies of important identification documents for your family, driver's licenses, social security cards, birth certificates, uh, financial account information, and don't worry about putting this information in this package. You can create one package like this and you can secure it in a number of different ways. There's different ways of encrypting it. You can put it on a flash drive, you can put it on paper. If you put it on paper you can use simple number codes to encrypt it so that nobody can get your information and use it. But you need to have copies of all of this stuff backed up in a secure location off of your home site so that should anything happen you've got it. Um, health insurance cards, copies of those backed up somewhere life insurance policies, things like that. That should be in it as well. And there's a separate amount of information, a separate information package that should be with each person and with each vehicle, and I'll get into that in a second. But yeah, the emergency documentation, you need to have family contact information. Those are just some of the things that should be in it. And put it in a three-ring binder, put it in a document and slap it onto a uh, securable flash drive and store that somewhere. Somewhere that if there's an emergency, if there's a disaster, you can get to it. So that that, that information is not lost. Uh, the next thing is put together emergency bags for each man, uh, member of your family. This is a big topic in the prepper world. Bug out bags, inch bags, uh, get home bags. It's People go crazy with these bags. But all you need is a basic bag, a backpack containing certain things, to get you to a safe location so that you can take further steps in your plan. For example, if, if you're home, if have a bag at home filled with certain items so that if you have to leave home, you grab that bag. This bag is not supposed to be for you to live out of for six months. It's just supposed to be the basic necessities and items that you'll need to get yourself and your family to a safe location so that you can regroup and then follow the next stage of your plans. It's You're not going to have a ton of fishing gear, survival gear, fire starting stuff in it. You can have a small survival kit in it, but you're not going to be living out of this bag for more than a day or two, three at the most. Uh, you should have In this bag you should have things like a part of your emergency plan, a, a little binder with your emergency plan in it, step-by-step -step instructions what you do in such and such a, a situation. If this happens, this is what you do. If this happens, this is what you do. You need to plan all of this out. Plan for different scenarios. You need uh, a map in this package. That map should have three locations, three rally points, 
or bug out locations, whatever you want to call them, that your family can go to. And to each of these locations, you need to have three separate routes. Three locations, three routes to each. That way, if there's road closures, you have multiple routes to get there. And if you're separated from one another, everybody has this document, this map in your bag, you can look at it, talk to each other on the phone if you still have phone contact, and say, look, this happened. Open up your map, look at point A. There's three routes to get there. That's where I'll be. And I know you're going to follow one of these three routes. This route is off, off limits. Go to this next route. That way, if you don't make it to the rally point you're supposed to be at, we know where to look for you. What I would suggest is, on this map, having those three locations marked in different colors, and then having those three routes to each of those locations in matching colors, so that it's easy to look at. Okay, the rally point is in red. Rally point A is in red. You can look at the map and easily see the three red routes that go to that point. It's a quick, easily identifiable. You don't have to sit there and figure out which route goes where. Easily identifiable colors like that really help when you're under pressure. In this uh, documentation package for your bags, you should have some level of copy of your identification paperwork, a contact list with all of your family members, even family members that might not be involved in the disaster, somebody far enough away that um, if you get cut off from your immediate family, you know they'll contact this extended family person. You need to have all of those numbers all in one place. You should have hotels listed, pre-planned out hotels listed. Okay, this is where we're, if our home gets taken out by a tornado or a fire or a flood, this is a hotel we've already looked into and checked out. Here's the number to call and make an emergency reservation. This is a good point to be. It's a good safe spot. If not for getting a room, at least for meeting up. You should have uh, a, a spare change of clothes, including socks, a spare change of shoes, a spare set of shoes, comfortable shoes that you can be comfortable walking in for a while because you don't know how long you might have to walk or what terrain you might be walking on. And if you're a woman and like to wear heels or a man and like to wear dress shoes at work or need to wear dress shoes at work, you're going to want some comfortable shoes if you have to do a lot of walking. Some emergency cash. You want a, a little emergency cash in the bag so that if for whatever reason if the power is out and you need to stop somewhere and buy something you can still buy it because I've been in stores where the power was out they would still do sales using cash but cards were out of the question so always have a little bit of cash on you you need a flashlight with spare batteries a small flashlight compact is better spare set of batteries and it needs to be a reliable flashlight an emergency radio would be great one of these all-hazard radios weather radios if it runs off batteries fine if if you have one that uh, you can crank, has the crank dynamo, that's good. Uh, solar charger built into it, that's even better. You know, But you would be able to listen to the radio and get updates on what's going on, where the, the trouble is. And information like that is precious in an emergency. Uh, a compact hygiene kit, you know, nothing fancy. Toothbrush and a small tube of toothpaste. Travel size kit of, of uh, shampoo if you need it, um, body wash, or, or a little piece of a bar of soap, um, little things like that. You carry you a little toilet paper in that kit as well. It's things people don't think about. It doesn't have to be big. A small first aid kit. Nothing fancy, just a basic first aid kit. I would add to it at least one trauma dressing. 
in case you were injured during the, the disaster or emergency so that you can bandage up a more serious wound because most basic first aid kits they're meant for really small scrapes and cuts and while those are fine for the most part you want something in there that can handle a larger wound uh, but don't go crazy with this first aid kit because like I said this bag is just to get you to another point quickly you're not living out of this bag uh, a day or two of food and water this can be MRE this can be a homemade MRE this can be survival rations however you want to do it but you need at least a day or two of water and food a really small water filter would work great in this kit. I would strongly suggest the Sawyer Mini. It can filter up to 100,000 gallons. It is a really good filter. Small, compact, and it filters a lot of water. If you don't want to do that, get you something like a Life Straw. That will get you by until you get to your next point on the emergency route. And I'll get to those in a minute as well. You can add more to this. You can add a, a extremely basic emergency survival kit with a way of starting fires and fishing or something like that snare wire but it's not really necessary people go crazy with this stuff it's not really necessary to do that this bag for one example should only last you a couple of days to get to a resupply cache or to a, a rally point where you meet up with your rest of your family and you go from a from that rally point to a cache and then on to your secure location, be it a bug out location, a family's house, whatever, a family member's house, whatever. So this is only to get you a couple of days down the road. You're not living out of it. It's just the basic comforts that can help you get through. Survival caches marked along some of these routes would be a great idea. Now, you, I've seen people bury guns, ammo, food, water. All of that's great. Each one has its own risks with guns. I'm leery about stashing them in, in caches all around the place where I can't control them. And because sometimes somebody might find your, your cache. It, it happens. And I don't want them finding my guns and my ammo. So that's a big concern of mine. Food and water. Well, if you buy the right food, it's storable for a long time. But you're limited as to what you can store. A lot of these caches are buried. And you're not going to be able to go to them every month, every three months. Dig them up and rotate the food supplies out. So you need to make sure if you cache something like that, it's storable, it'll be okay. And you always have to plan for if the cache gets damaged in some way, or if for some reason you can't find it again, you need to think ahead. Plan for things like that. Um, you don't want to bury a, a cache in some public, on some public land or even some private land that you don't own, and then come back a year later during an emergency and find out, oh crap, they've bulldozed this entire area to start putting in houses. That, that's always a concern and a risk. But the cache can have more food, more water, more supplies. The bag is to get you to the cache if it takes you that extra resupply point to get to where you need to go. None of my rally points are so far away that I can't get to them within a day or two even walking. I might have to push myself hard to get to them in a couple of days if I'm on foot, but I can do it. So you, you can have caches at different points spaced out along your evac routes and I'll, I'll go into an episode later on caches the next thing you need to do or the next thing I would suggest you do is build up a food supply the average person has two or three days worth of food in their house and this is not being paranoid but what happens if you your neighborhood has experienced a severe tornado it's wiped out the grid in your area you have no power no water a day or two is not gonna last you you need to have food for at least 
at least 30 days. Most people recommend three to six months. Some even go to a year to two years or more. Now that's really hard to do, but you need at least 30 days worth of food. I've had instances where my power was out for a week and a half. Okay, you need to be prepared for that. That's something you need to think about because if there's a, a flood, a tornado or whatever, you're, you might be without power for a week or two. The longer you're able to feed yourself without having to worry about where to get food or how to cook it, which is also another issue, the better you are. When it comes to food storage, there's an old saying, store what you eat and eat what you store. You rotate it out. You store the, the things you would eat on a normal daily basis. You can store MREs, you can store these for long-term freeze-dried foods, that's fine, uh, but you really want to be able to eat the same kind of foods that you would eat in a normal situation, in, in your normal everyday life. That goes a long way towards keeping morale up, and when you store food, you rotate it out. You use the oldest and replace it with the newest. Don't buy something new and then put it in the front of your cabinet and use the new stuff while the there's stuff in the back of your cabinet from two years ago that's already expired and gone bad. Rotate that food out so that you've always got a steady rotation going. It's always fresh. I think that's about as far as I'm going to go on that topic right now. I can get in later episodes. I can break it more, break it down more into each subject, such as survival caches, bug out bags, uh, food storage. I'll, I'll go into deeper uh, discussion on those in later podcasts. But I think that pretty much covers it for now. There's more that you can do, but that's a good place to start. Um, Think about your threats. Do your threat analysis. Create your emergency documentation package. Create your emergency bags for each member of your family. Every single member should have their own bag. You should have a bag in every car. You should have your bags at home. If you're going to work, you need to have a bag with you. Be that the one in your car, that's fine. But you need to have easily access to uh, to one of those bags. If you're at work and your bag is at home and there's a disaster, it, it doesn't do you any good. So a bag for each person and each car. And then do your food storage and rotation. Those, are, those will get you started. Those are good areas to start with. Okay, next up, I'm going to be doing a review of a product I got in. And I'm going to be recording this for you to, or for Facebook as well. So, uh, let's get started. Today I'm going to be reviewing survival boxes. And for everyone that isn't familiar with them, survival boxes is a monthly subscription box filled with survival gear and supplies. There are several different boxes uh, that they have available to fit a variety of budgets. The Alpha Box is a gear, food, water, and seeds box for $39.95 plus shipping. Uh, the Bravo box is usually has food and seeds only in it. It's $36.99 a month. They have a gear only box for $29.99 a month. The gear only XL which it has gear plus a premium knife and tool for $89.99. They also have a water only box that has water purification kit and filters for $35.99 so what I've got today is the alpha box and it's my welcome box it's my first one so I'm excited to see what's in it and go over it with everybody so let's get started
open this thing up and we have this welcome card it tells a lot about what's in each box and what each item is worth okay the survival box alpha it's an $82.41 Amazon value $98.88 uh, manufacturer suggested retail price and uh, it, it covers all the information for all the different boxes and on the flip side it just tells you about uh, the survival box a message from the founder of survival boxes and thank you for your subscription so on so on so there's that and I'll try to go over the prices as I go through this the first thing that comes out of the box I've got a three ring binder it's uh, in each of their boxes they include a survival card survival knowledge card and each card will go into this binder the card I got with this is campsite selection for backpackers good basic information for uh, picking a safe campsite it also has information on it that uh, seed starting tips planting heirloom seeds and stack on a scree slope while backpacking survive it gives a scenario so that's pretty cool I'll be I'll be adding to that for sure uh, they recommend saving the packing material for tender but you can do that all right next up I have food pouch it's, uh, backpackers pantry Louisiana red beans and rice six ounce bag it says it's a two servings I don't know about that it depends on how much you eat but yeah I suppose you could divide it into two servings 300 calories 12 grams of protein cool there's one meal the next meal is Wise Company noodle soup chicken flavored with hearty vegetables this is uh, four servings per container it's a seven ounce bag 180 calories per serving pretty good okay let's see this looks interesting frontier straw I was just talking about life straw this is a frontier straw water filter oh, I was supposed to go over the prices with that too the backpackers pantry red beans and rice retail uh, 925 and the noodle soup the retail that they list on that card is $8.95 the water filter the frontier straw they retail it is at $11.95 it filters 30 gallons it's from Aquamira I've heard a lot about that uh, filters 50% more water than previous designs it's really lightweight it's only one ounce so that's pretty cool. Uh, suppresses the growth of bacteria, algae, fungus, mold, and mildew within the filter media. Okay. Removes cryptosporidium, giardia, and biotoxins such as microcystin. So that's good to have. Okay, next. Paracord, 30 feet of paracord. From paracord.com. 
and there's a uh, a code on that also 10% off promo code booyah b-o-o-y-a-h booyah 30 feet USA made 550 paracord cool that let's see that retails at five dollars and ten cents okay see so what is this it's a little white box unlabeled let's investigate okay it's a flint striker a little magnesium striker fire starter So, uh, Ferro Mag Fire Steel Fire Steel Fire Starter is six ninety nine. So there's that. Get that back in there. Let's see another little white box. Let's see what's in this one. A flashlight. Okay, let's see. Pocket Man. No batteries in it, but it's a little Pocket Man flashlight. Cool looking little flashlight. Uh, let's see. It says 649. With, uh, it says it has battery, but I don't see it. Maybe it's inside and just. I'll check that out later. But, uh, this 649 retail value. So there's that. Next up, match case. So a little orange plastic match case. Looks like it has a striker on the side for the matches. It's waterproof, floats, fits UCO stormproof matches and many other matches. Three replaceable strikers. Okay, uh, that's pretty cool. Yuko Survival Stormproof Matches. Uh, the uh, Stormproof Matches and Waterproof Case, a $3.99 value. Okay. Emergency Drinking Water. Yeah. Two patches of emergency drinking water. there from Mainstay Products. Each is 4.225 fluid ounces. State of California Department of Public Health Food and Drug Branch. Two water patches there. And then I've got two more. Now I've got two more Mayday emergency drinking water patches. These are 4.225 fluid ounce, five year shelf life. Cool. So the water pouches, 396 value. Survival garden seeds, non GMO heirloom seeds. This packet contains the following non GMO heirloom seeds Ace 55 tomato. Cool. Stop it, stop it. Keeps going. 
Mylar emergency blankets. Two emergency Mylar blankets. That's the flip side of it. Oh, another, another pack of tomato seeds. Um, the seeds are retail at $4.99. Okay, this is a Instafire fire starter. Retail 266. It's a small 1.75 ounce package. No harmful chemicals, eco-friendly, burns up to a thousand degrees, lights up to four fires, so you can use this four times. Lights wet wood, burns on snow, water, and ice. Non-volatile, no ex unexpected flare-ups, long burn time, waterproof pouch, safe to store near food, Instafire's leftover ashes, a natural fertilizer. So cool. And light left. Oh, there's the battery for the flashlight in the very bottom of the box. <laughs> and last but not least, cool. The Mora knife. This is really cool. It's a plastic-like sheath and handle. Easily retaining. Belt clip, nice. All right, the uh, Mora Survival Knife is $13.99. And that's it for the, the box. That's all that was in there. And that's a lot of stuff. That box. Amazon retail value is $82.41. The subscription price is $39.99 plus shipping. So I'm pretty pleased with that. Uh, some of these items, I'm, I'm going to start getting items like these in to review every so often. Some of these items I'm going to start putting back and I'm going to start doing some giveaways. So stay tuned for some of that. For now, uh, I'm going to wrap it up, and uh, thank you for joining me. Um, I'll catch you all next week. Thanks. Bye.